It's getting close to Halloween, though, I thought about that. No, I got that last night at Bucky's. When I went to Bucky's, a guy told me that joke, and I said, I'm going to use that tomorrow, church. Amen. All right. Well, we're in part, what is this, part three? We're in part three of the series, uh, the new series we started called, the series is titled, Passionately Presenting God's Grace and Truth. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks. And uh, we started a couple of weeks ago. We're in part three today. And uh, this is going to be, today's message is simply a very basic foundational message. Again, I, I, the first two were two, and this is another one. But the truth is, people, there are a lot of people around us every day that we, we think may be Christians. And as I began to talk a little bit about at the beginning of the service, there are a lot of people who know Jesus but they don't really have a relationship with him. Like, like uh, there's some people I know and I've met. Like, I know. Okay, look. Here's a, here's a good example. I know uh, the mate, the uh, the governor Abbott, Governor Abbott. But I don't have a relationship with him. I know him, and I know who he is. I know what he does, but I don't have that relationship with him. So you, you see what I'm saying about Jesus? A lot of people know who he is. I remember. Leading uh, an 11-year-old boy and his sisters, couple or one one sister I think, to the Lord here years ago, I asked them, and they were from Lula. I asked them, I said, "Do you know? Do you know Jesus? Yeah, I've heard I've heard about him. Do you know what he did for you?" No, no, I don't. I don't know what he did for me. So I explained to him what Jesus had done for him. But there's a lot of people who don't go any farther than that than just knowing who he is. Uh, he's a historical figure in the Bible. But they don't have any knowledge of what he's done for them or what he's doing for them still to this day through his Holy Spirit who dwells within every believer. They don't know that. And then when we go to talking about a Holy Ghost, they think it's just somebody scary. You know, so so there's a there's an, a knowledge of knowing and then there's a knowledge of knowing in here in your heart, not just in your mind, but in your heart. John chapter 14. Let's read that real quick. John chapter 14. Oh, you know what I forgot to do? I forgot to pray for our leaders. Let's pray real quick for that. Father, we just lift up our president and those in authority over us in this nation and in our state. We just pray for their protection, for the wisdom of God to be. I pray, Father, that they would surround themselves with with people of God who know God who have a relationship with God that would give them insight and wisdom and understanding beyond their own natural abilities. Lord, you said that the people rejoice when there's a, a leader that you've set in place yes. to rule this nation. So we just thank you for that. We just pray that this country would turn around, turn their face toward God, and repent of their wicked ways and come to you right now. In yes. Jesus' name. Not only in our nation, but in our state and our local uh, governing bodies. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John 14. Verse 6 and 7 says, I am the way. Jesus said this himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Well, and the first question that a, a, a natural person would say, or an unbeliever at all would say, why do I need to go to the Father? Well, if you want to go to heaven, you want to get to the Father because He's the destination. Yes. Heaven is where He is. It's where He dwells. It's where He lives. He's the destination. The, the, the Passion Translation says it like this, and it's a little, little more detail. I love it. It says, 
Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except, except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And that's the truth. You, you, heard, you remember reading where Jesus said that to the Pharisees. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what he meant by that was spiritually speaking. Because you, can't, you know, God doesn't have a body like we do. But Jesus came as a man to redeem mankind. That's why he did that. And for anyone to know God, they must know Jesus. Anybody that ever tells you any other way is, is a, not telling you the truth. They're a liar. Yeah. I don't know if their pants would be on fire or not, but they're not telling the truth. Because to know Jesus is to know God. Yeah. And so that was the title of my message today. Jesus is Lord. Know Him. Know God. Jesus Himself said He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can have knowledge, understanding, or a relationship with God the Father without first knowing Jesus. And we must recognize that Jesus, He's the only way to God. He's the only way to God. There are no other ways, Oprah. There are no other ways. Now, there, there's, there's what people want to say, different paths that people take. Well, well, we're all on a journey, yes. But there's no other way. Other than through Jesus. You can't go around Jesus. I just put Jesus over there. I'm going to God this way. No, there's no other way. You have to come through knowing Jesus. And this is critical because the world of non-Christians believe that they know God. But without their surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, they won't ever know God. Uh, we live in an age of religious pluralism. People call it pluralism. That means it's just whatever. And it's syncretism. They call this word syncretism. I had to look it up. But it means compromise in a sense. Which is, it's a diluting of truth for the sake of unity. Let's just, let's just uh, coexist. You see those bumper stickers, coexist? If you've got one, take it off. If you call yourself a Christian, take it off. Because we don't coexist with no. anything other than Jesus. Amen. I always say, you Christians are so close-minded, but we're, but we're right. Yes. I mean, you may think it's close-minded and, well, what's the other word, but, but, but we're the, this is the truth. If, if I'm a Christian, then this is the truth. There's nothing else. That's right. There's nothing else out there you can present to me. And people say, I've gone and searched and I've studied and I've gone around the world and studied other religions and I, I, you know, I don't know which is right. Well, this is right. That's right. I'm telling you today, this is right. And there is no other way. And I'm a Christian, so I'm not going to compromise what this says. If you're a Christian, you don't compromise the Word of God. You just don't. We, 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 we have these people that just say, well, you know, you can do this and leave this much, but don't, don't do that part. Just pull it out. But, but Christ's Lordship is deemed irre irrelevant by many religious groups that believe one religion is as good as the other. I'm sorry. No, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, you can you can be a what is it, Zen, Buddha, all these others. They're just philosophies. They're not really religions. They're philosophies. They're other ideas, and they're all wrong. 
They may be peaceful. They may be they may have loving, kind words in their writings and and they may be good to quote every now and then, but not I, said the fly. They're not right. Amen. If I'm going to quote somebody, I'm going to quote the Holy Spirit Amen. and the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Jesus is Lord. It still remains to be and to us. It's the church's earliest confession. And it's still, it is still the abiding test of authentic Christianity. Jesus is Lord. We may not and shall not ever corporately as the church nor individually compromise the deity of Jesus Christ. Other religions, there's a few religions you know about. There's uh, the Mormon religion. There's the Jehovah Witnesses. There's a whole bunch of them. There's a whole list on the wall outside in the hallway, right? When you're going down the hallway to the restroom, there, there are a bunch of them on there. You look at them. But you, what you need to look for when somebody tells you they're right is the deity. Where is Christ in your religion? Is He given deity or is He just a little G? A little G somewhere. And that in the Jehovah Witnesses book, their Bible. It's not the same Bible that we read. It's their Bible. You read, if you go to their church, you're going to read their Bible. When you go to John 1, it says, the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a little g God. I told you that last week. But so that just, that take, they took away the deity of Jesus because that's who He is. In His sovereignty lies His sufficiency. He is Lord of everything or He is not Lord at all. That's right. Amen. Now, I don't say that about your life because we're, not all, we're still all a work in progress. There's some places in each one of our lives where Jesus is not Lord over because we haven't yielded that to Him. So understand what I'm saying. In grace, there are many of us who are still arriving. We left, but we're still arriving. Amen? We're still a work in progress. So let's uh, go to the book of Colossians. And this is the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. It says, uh, I'm going to read it from the... Uh, Passion Bible, in chapter 1, verses 9 through 8. I'm going to do a lot of reading here, and I'm trying to go as fast as I can. Since we first heard, chapter 1, verse 9, since we first heard about you, we've kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives, making you reservoirs. Now remember, when, when I'm reading this, I'm reading the written Word of God. This is the Passion Translation. It may be a little different than what you have there. But remember that Paul wrote these, always remember this, that Paul wrote these letters under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told him what to write, he wrote it, and he wrote it with his personality. Okay? Since we first heard about you, we've kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives, making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. We pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. Then you'll become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to His life and maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in His fullness. And we pray that you would be energized with all His explosive power from the realm of His magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. That sounds so good. Why would we not want to do this? Paul's encouraging us. 
Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by, by living in the light. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of His beloved Son. For in the Son, all our sins are canceled. Hallelujah. Probably need to say that again. For in the Son, in the Son, in Christ, all our sins are canceled. And we have the release of redemption through His very blood. We've been bought back by His blood. His supreme sacrifice. Our sins have been forgiven and we've been bought back. We've been restored. We've been reconciled. The supremacy of Christ. He's, he is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. And all this is seen and all this is all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality, authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in Him. He is the head of His body, which is the church, and since He is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, He is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. They're talking about Jesus. Now, how did Paul get this? How did Paul know this? The Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. That's how Paul knew it. Now, I want to tell you something. The Holy Ghost didn't just quit in Paul. He's still teaching us. He's still giving us revelation. And, and as we read this, the Holy Spirit is right there with us, enlightening things to us. Wow. Wow. I never knew that. You know, he's, that's what he does. He says, he's, I can feel the Holy Spirit. When I'm reading the Word of God, he's sitting there going, hey, what do you think about that? You know? Yeah. Can I get an amen out of him? Come on. That's what the Holy Ghost is. He's doing that. This is, listen, I, I, I keep telling y'all, and y'all know, I've said it over and over and over. The Spirit-led life is the most powerful, wonderful, radiant life that anybody could ever live. Y'all might think I'm weird, but I think y'all are weird if you don't. <laughs> Amen. Now, skip over to verse 21 says, even though you were once distant from him, all of us were living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions. He reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there's nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless and restored. The devil wants to come and tell you there's, you've got mud on your face. Big disgrace. But he's a liar. Yes. God says right here, and Paul reminded us, we're flawless. Amen. I'm flawless. Hallelujah. Check, check this out. <laughs> I'm flawless. Amen. Not in the natural. You know, of course, I'm not saying that, but... But in the spirit realm, listen, our spirits are perfect. Your spirit is perfect. He's still working to renew your mind yeah. and your body. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, our adversary, the devil, 
still uses the same method of planting lies into our minds. Uh, he says things like, did, you, did God really say? Remember what he did to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? Is God really good? Is Jesus really God in the flesh? Will you not surely die? You will not surely die. Does, does God really know what is right? Is the Bible really the only truth? This is all coming from the devil, the enemy. Anytime, anytime you hear, let me tell you this. Anytime you hear a word of doubt, even when we were praying for you who, were, who had illnesses or problems this morning, we were praying for you. As soon as we got through praying for you, the devil comes right quick. Am I telling you the truth? And he'll say, you, you didn't really get it. That's what he wants to tell you. He wants to lie to you. He says, you, you know, you might have felt something, but it wasn't real. It was just an emotional thing. He can come and bring doubt. And what do we say, Kim? You can doubt and do without, or you can believe and receive. Hallelujah. So, so what we want to tell you is starve your doubts and, what's, and, and feed your faith. Yeah, starve your doubts and feed your faith. Does God really want what's best for me? Yeah. You know, and there's these doom and gloom people who think that God wants you to be poor. And God wants you to be sick because I've got to get you to a place where I can show you some things. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's just wrong. Well, God needed another angel in heaven. No, no, no. We don't become angels. We don't become angels. And God, if, if He needs an angel, He can create another angel. But He's created all He's going to create. Yeah. And He loves you and He cares for you. And He, yeah. he, he hurts when you hurt. He knows. The temptation in the Garden of Eden, it was, just, it was just to rebel against God and against God's authority. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. And he does it to us. He wants us to rebel against the authority of God. We sang that song this morning. That's why I wanted to sing that today. All authority is his, but he's given us the keys. Yeah. We have it. He took it away from Satan. He took it away. He brought back all the authority to us. Satan caused Adam and Eve to doubt God's will for their well-being. Oh, if you'll eat this tree, eat of this tree, your eyes will be opened. And you'll know all things, even as God. He just lied to them and they fell for it. So, and so he was the first parent looking there. His kids made mistakes. Your kids make mistakes all the time. You feel so bad. God's kids did too. Amen. So when we see this same sin repeated today, we can realize that this philosophy of moral relativism is nothing new. Moral relativism is simply having the attitude of whatever. Whatever you want to do, it's okay. Whatever you feel like doing, you know, just do it. Whatever floats your boat, just do it. If it feels good, just do it. That's moral relativism. And you compromise what God has better for you. When we take God out of the picture, we lose the standard or the plumb line of determining what is good and evil, right and wrong, moral and immoral. We are at a point in our society today where the culture dictates 
right and wrong. The culture was everybody's doing it, so it must be okay. Don't follow that line. Ten years ago, right and wrong didn't mean what it means today. The moral values that our society once held to clearly have eroded and crumbled by social trends of our godless worldviews. World leaders shake their fists at God and in very similar speech tell us, did God really say? You will not surely die. Let's look at Colossians 1.23. 1.23 it says, If indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. That's what Paul preached. Skip over to uh, chapter 2. Over to chapter 2, beginning verse 1. I'm going to read 1 through 10. I wish you could know how much I have struggled for you. This is Paul again, remember. And for the church in Laodicea. And for the many other friends I've yet to meet. I am contending for you that your hearts will be wrapped in the comfort of heaven. And woven together in love's fabric. Into love's fabric. This will give you access to all the riches of God as you experience the revelation of God's great mystery, Christ. For our spiritual wealth is in Him, like hidden treasure waiting to be discovered, heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. I want you to know this so that no one will come and lead you into error through their persuasive arguments and clever words. Even though I'm separated from you geographically, my spirit is present there with you and I'm overjoyed to see how disciplined and deeply committed you are because you have such a solid faith in Christ, the Anointed One. In the same way you receive Jesus our Lord and and Messiah by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with Him. Your spiritual roots go deeply into His life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith you have absorbed And enriched by your devotion to Him. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness. By pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system. And not the anointed truths of the anointed one. For He is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is found in Him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. That's who Jesus is. Amen. That's so good. Isn't that good? What the false teachers of our world call enlightened, liberating Christianity, the Apostle Paul calls empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. A Christian philosophy or worldview puts relationship with God above pleasure. The secular philosophy or worldview says if it feels good, do it. Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on your can. Whatever. But the truth, the gospel truth, is that God cares about people and He truly wants to see all people prosper and be in good health even as their souls prosper. Yes. 
It's a scripture. Yes. Word of God backs it up. He didn't, he didn't call us to a vow of poverty. No. The gospel is completely countercultural in so many ways. And God is full of grace and full of mercy for a world full of selfish, self-centered lifestyles. And He's called the church to be as compassionate as He is in our commanded commission to reach them and lead them into the kingdom of God. Amen? One thing I hope to equip us with in this series... Am I going out? No. One thing I hope to equip us with in this series is a spirit of humility. We as Christians need to learn to walk in a spirit of humility. It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that's cultivated, that you develop. It's not just, you know, you learn to be humble. Amen? Kim and I were at a parade at New Braunfels uh, Friday, the uh, Comal County Fair there, and I looked over there and there was a man from Luling that we knew. Uh, I went to school with years ago. He went to school with Kim's brother, but we saw him. And then Kim, she, she told me uh, later that he, he's always been such a humble man. It's, there's a humility about that man that you just know from the way he talks the way you, you carry a conversation on with him, you can tell he's very humble. And uh, that's the way God wants us to be. You're just drawn to people like that. You could talk to them all day long. They're so, they're so uh, encouraging. And just receive and give as, you, as, you, as your conversation continues. Just a great spirit. Having a, a spirit of humility is simply knowing, is simply knowing this, that without God... You are nothing. You're absolutely nothing without God. But in God, in Christ, you can do great things. And you just have that in you. You just have that knowing in you. That you're not intimidated by people. You know, there's preachers all over the world that I could get in front of and I'd be intimidated like crazy in front of those people. But but I know who I am and I know what my giftings are. So it's, it's getting, it's, I've developed into that. I've cultivated a lot of that where I'm not intimidated by other people and maybe great teachers. I'm not, I don't, I didn't go to cemetery. I mean, seminary. I just learned from the Holy Spirit all that He's taught me over the years. And uh, I give Him all the credit. I don't take it. I'm crazy. I know. I'm a little silly. I'm, I'm goofy at times. A little bit. But it's, it's, what was that? I didn't hear it. Submitting. It's submitting to Christ. Just submitting yourself to God is humility. Evil is not limited to certain types of sin or a select group of sinners. Evil is inherently in all of us. And so it's in any part of culture that we create. I'm not going to get through. So yes, we were all created by God, but we have all sinned also been corrupted by sin. The person we see as a sinner in the world was once you and I. Did God show you and I mercy and grace? Yes. You betcha. He sure did. Always be thankful to God for His mercy endures forever, not just for a while. Uh, let me just, I'm going to kind of go through some of this because I don't want to, I want to get us out of here because I don't want you all to miss the kickoff for sure. But God has designed us to put Him first in our lives. 
uh, others next, and ourselves last. But sin reverses this order. Let's watch this video. And I'll come back. Self first, then others, then God somewhere down the line. It's a real tragedy for some. And the real tragedy of our our quest to satisfy ourselves is that we become slaves to sin. Jesus said in John 8, 34, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. The uh, Passion Translation says you've become a slave in bondage to your sin. But Jesus came to set us free from sin. And in Him, we have been given the authority and the power to overcome and to say no to sin. And the temptations that we all have, they all come to all of us. In Christ, we have the power to say no. The ability to say no. Jesus came to set us free from ourselves. We also need to love ourselves too. God says love your neighbors, but you need to love yourself too. Amen? But Jesus came to redirect our focus from darkness, self-centered, self-indulgence, self-righteousness, and on and on to the light. Jesus is the light of the world. If we want to know God, We must come through Jesus. We must know Him. Amen. Amen. It was hard. It's hard to believe for people today. It was hard 2,000 years ago for people to believe that too. And it only makes sense if we believe that the Bible is true. Every person stands guilty before God because of one's man rebellion against Adam. It was Adam against in the Garden of Eden. And we all deserve God's judgment. All of us, we're all corrupted by Adam's original sin. We want to ask God, how can you love us when your justice requires condemning us? You are a holy God. You are just. You call the guilty and innocent what they are. How can God be perfectly just without condemning every sinner in the world? He can't overlook sin. He wouldn't be a just judge if He did. The truth is, most people in our culture are not losing sleep over how it's possible for God to be just and loving towards sinners at the same time. They don't care. Instead, most people are wrongly accusing God, asking, how can you punish sinners? How can you let good people go to hell? But the question the Bible asks is exactly the opposite. God, how can you be just and still be guilt and still let guilty sinners into heaven? And the only answer to that question is Jesus Christ. Jesus' life is truly unique. He is God in the flesh, fully human and fully God. As a perfect man, He alone is able to stand in the place of guilty men and women. As As a perfect God, He alone is able to satisfy divine justice. That makes Jesus' death unique. Which is why His crucifixion is the climax of the gospel. Because the cross is where Jesus, God in the flesh, took the just punishment due sinners upon Himself. And at the cross of Christ, 
God fully expressed His holy judgment upon sin. At the same time, God in Christ fully endured His holy judgment against sin. In the process, God through Christ made salvation possible for all sinners. The penalty for sin was paid. And we know this to be true because God raised Jesus from the dead. The holy, just, and gracious creator of the universe has made a way in Christ for anyone, anywhere, to be reconciled to Him. Jesus Christ is Lord. The gospel claims that eternity is at stake in how you and I respond to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The most basic foundational truth of Christianity is all of what you've heard me speak about today. If we don't believe in the absolutes of Christianity, we will not have a strong foundation to base our standard of moral and social issues on. We as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ must view the cultural issues in our society today through the lens of biblical truth and speak such truth with conviction whenever we have the chance to do so. I will close with these verses of Scripture from Matthew chapter 10. It says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Verse 32, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The Passion Translation says that last verse like this. All who seek to live apart from me will lose it all. But those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me will discover true life. So listen, listen, my heart, and yours should be too as well as a Christian. Put that scripture back for me, please. Your, your heart should be the same as well. That those apart from me, those who are living apart from me, and you and I know them. We know them. Let's reach them. Let's, let's do whatever it takes in our lives to get them to God. That's, the, that's what Jesus died to, to get us saved for. To bring us to salvation is so we can be His hands and feet now on the earth. Yeah. To draw all men unto Him. Amen? Yeah. It's not for our brownie points. We don't get stars for doing that. That's what we're about. That's who we are. And be humble about it. Don't be, don't be rude about it. You need Jesus. You need to get Jesus. You need to get Him right now. Let's be loving about it. Come on. Amen. Amen. Be strong about it, but let's be loving about it. Let's be graceful. Let's, let's, let's passionately present the, the good news of Jesus Christ with grace and truth. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just believe in this room this morning. There are those here who today say, I've never heard it presented like that. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to do that today. So, Father, I just want to, make, I just want to say a prayer for the whole place right now. And I want everybody to repeat this after me. Everybody in this room. Maybe you're going to say it for the first time. 
Repeat after me. Father God, I just know that You sent Your Son Jesus to pay the penalty for my sins. Past, present, and future. I thank You. I repent of my sins. All of them. And I know I'm going to sin in the future. But I thank You that You have paid the price for all of them. That is grace. I love You. I thank You today for bringing me to this service so that I could receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thank You, Jesus. I'm born again into Your family. Amen. Amen. I believe, just like Joel says every Sunday, if you prayed that prayer, I believe he got saved. Amen. I believe he got saved. Now, there's more. There's more to salvation than just a ticket to heaven. There's a life to live. There's some lights to shine. And there's a Holy Spirit who guides and directs and leads. And you need to ask for the, for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Every day, you need to ask Him to fill you with His Holy Spirit. And He will show you how to live your life. He will keep you. He will keep you and protect you and guide you. If you'll listen to Him, learn and cultivate that relationship with God. He'll do it. You don't have to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to help you. He's the enabler. He's the healer. He's the guide. Yeah. He's, the, he's the protector, the comforter when you're hurting. Yeah. He's always there for you. Come on, people. He's yeah. good. He's good. Yeah. God is always good. Amen. All right, let's go watch some football. Y'all ready to go watch football? We're going to have some people here to pray. If anybody.